Hey, Hoopheads. Once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Kenneth Wilson. And we're going to 305 Culture, a show where you feel the heat. Yeah, Let's yeah. get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Well, before we begin, we would like to please ask all of you to follow our social media handles, especially the podcast handle on Twitter specifically, at 305CulturePod. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever social media you prefer. We're not on Reddit, though, so we should you should not follow us on Reddit. But still... Subscribe to our podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts as well. Please leave a five-star rating and a short review if you can. That will really help us grow a lot. And you can follow me on social, on, on Twitter at JJ Rivera NBA. That's at J-J-R-I-V-S-N-Victor-E-R-A-N-B-A. And we're going to follow you, Kenneth. Oh, uh, yeah, man. If my dog will stop making guest appearances on the podcast, I can let the people know that they can follow me on Twitter at K said K, that's K underscore S-A-I-D underscore Q-U-E. Again, K said K on Twitter. And on Instagram, I am K Sears. That's I am K-C-I-R-R-U-S. Now let's get it going, my friend. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Been a really good week of heat basketball. First off, let's go back, turn back in time, and go back to Saturday night in which we defeated the Phoenix Suns in our second-to-last game of the Long road trip that we embarked on, one twenty three to one hundred, and what many people are saying, many people are saying would be me. This might be our best win of the season, because this was, in my my estimation, I mentioned it before, the best team in the league, and we went into their home floor, beat them soundly. I mean, it was outrageous. I I was just so impressed by the, this team's performance and god i mean kenneth i i think i i i'm a loss for words right now because now i i with the benefit of hindsight I, i'm just like wow because in the moment it didn't really fully sink in but now i'm like jesus this this is really something this win this team this is this is something man we have some th- something here i agree with you man um you hit on something the best win of the year um, without Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo in the lineup and without a slew of guys, be that to regular injury or health and safety protocols related stuff, you can look at P.J. Tucker, Gabe Vincent, Dwayne Dedman. We've been down them and other guys throughout the season, and this Miami Heat team is still kept on churning, kept on chugging, finding a way to get wins. And you got to give Cal Laurie a huge shout-out to that because through it all, for the most part, he's been there, been there alone, all-star type, and making it all go. But to that Suns game, I'll lean there with you, man. It has to be the best win of the year because even though we differ there, I think that this Golden State Warriors team is a little bit better than the Suns. The Suns are, at worst, number two in the league. So to be able to go into their building um, and get a win without Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo, as I mentioned, I mean, you know, that's colossal. Again, we've been getting big wins without them all year. But simply because of how good this team is, who they are, and where they stack up amongst the league and the Western Conference, you have to look at this as one of the best wins of the year. Have to. I agree. So, yeah. Something I want to 
I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. Tyler here, the last two games. By the way, we're coming at you live after the win over the Hawks. We'll be discussing that a bit later. Back-to-back -back incredible games for Tyler Hero, making an all-star case. We both picked him on our all-star reserves. It looks like many, maybe the coaches or in media won't give him that recognition, but I think he should be seriously considered due to we the season he's putting together. Yeah, we know we got an all-star baller. And if everybody else don't see it, shame on them. Um, and as you mentioned, when we get to this Atlanta Hawks game, it'll come full circle on that ass. Yeah. So, key points on the Phoenix on the win over the Phoenix Suns. Franchise record, 15 three-pointers in the first half. Yeah, I would. That that's the key point right there, but go ahead. <laughs> well, one of the, I think, you know what that that is the key point the three point yeah, shooting man. it was just tying the franchise record for the game twenty two of forty four from three for fifty percent overall exactly, on the night that's exactly fifty percent I love it exactly when, when you look at the NBA app and you see a round number in those percentages I mean now mind you you're also talking about a Phoenix team that shot forty one point two percent from three that night so you're looking at one team that shot great from three, but the only way, you know, well, now I wouldn't say the only way we beat them, but we beat them in large part because even though they shot great, we shot superbly. You know what I mean? No, yeah, I mean, this isn't shooting that you usually see from the Miami Heat or any team in general because it's just incredible shooting by them. By the way, even though the Phoenix Suns shut the lights out of the ball themselves, we still made eight more three-pointers in them. Think about so that. That's, now, that's the, now, that's the kicker right there. They made 14 of their 34 attempts, and we still made eight more of them. More efficiently, might I add. Yeah. And a big contribution that was Duncan Robinson, a guy that has been having an up-and-down season. This this game was incredible for him. Eight or sixteen from deep, fifty exactly fifty percent. We're we're sensing a theme here. Tyler here wasn't too shabby himself. Three out of four from three. And Max Drews, you know what? I'm gonna let you talk about Max because you're the Max guy here. So yeah, man. I mean, you know, it doesn't surprise me when Big Max does big things anymore because this is the standard I've held a guy to since before this season. I don't know how many people have been keeping up with us episode to episode or have been following us, you know, for as long as we've been in existence. We appreciate everybody out there each and every time you listen, by the way, tell a friend to tell a friend. We appreciate all the ears and, you know, listeners we can get there. But if you've been following us for a while, even if you just follow us on our socials or keep up with us from game to game, you'll know that my affinity for Max Struess has always been just larger than life. And I say that because the guy has so much game and it's apparent. When the jump shot is the first thing you notice, you know, it's easy to fall in love with that. But off of the jump shot, the ability to be able to put the ball on the floor, to get to his spots on the floor, to penetrate, to get into the middle of the defense, in the paint. But then after he gets there, to be able to do some things that guys that can typically shoot as well as he does can't do. Duncan Robinson, an example, that's what separated Max. And I think that as the season has progressed, 
not only has he continued to elevate his game, but he's continued to have the opportunity to put that on display, which sort of bleeds into another topic I want to get into, who's the starter, whatever, whatever. But we want to touch on that right now. But, I mean, just as far as Max yeah, I mean, game. There, there's been some talk that I don't think, unless you want to get into it, I we'll get in, we'll, would like let's to get into refer- it. We'll, Let's get into you know it. What? Shit. Get let's get Hawks out of the game. way. Let's, well, I say let's get into it when we get to the Hawks game because it's an easier case to be made there. To tie a ball around Max Struess, man, the guy has always had so much game. He's always been more than just a shooter. Highlighted it coming to the season that you should be prepared for a Duncan Robinson type leap from Max. Um, and that's just what we've seen. He's a rotational guy through and through. We got him on a steal of a deal right now because we're paying him peanuts. Um, and he's just going to continue to be huge for us with his versatility, with his ability to knock down the long ball. And he's a pretty good on-ball defender. Now, his off-ball defense needs work. If you want a bucket, just cut on Max. He won't see you. I'll agree. But he's a pretty good on-ball defender. And his ability on the offensive side of the ball is just, like, phenomenal. I mean, especially for the value we have him at and where we found him. He has been on a heater the past couple of games, you know, due to an increase in opportunity afforded to him because of all the absences and lineup wonky lineup combinations that Spo, Coach Spolstra has been forced to throw out there. Also, you know, since the Phoenix game has been a while now, I mean, unless you want to talk about, about it, but I, I think we should dedicate a portion of this episode to the magnificent job that Eric Spolstra has done this season. Oh, and without how a he, doubt. Without a doubt. And how, you know, we have seen him do an incredible job across this almost entire Miami Heat tenure. tenure. Right. Starting with starting with the big three, those rough years post-LeBron, now the renaissance. Dare I say, this might be his magnum opus. Um, I agree and I disagree. I disagree because if you know what you're looking at, and you know the game and you, you know, not even necessarily been a fan of this Heat team or follow this Heat team specifically or closely, you know how good of a coach this Spo is. For the rest of the world, for the casual NBA fan, for the person who only their knowledge extends to what their favorite little NBA tweeter tweets, I would agree. Um, this is what Spo has always done. And I've said this even prior to this year. It's being highlighted a lot this year because we're still one of the best teams in the league night in and night out without our very two best players, two superstars in this league. Yes, I said it, two all-stars in this league. We have still been one of the best teams in this league, 11-4 and four without Jimmy and Kyle. Do the work. Um, but for guys like us and for anybody that follows basketball closely or is into the whole total mechanism of it all process – then you know how good Spo is. You know that he's consistently overachieved, achieved more than he should have with lesser rosters. And when he was supposed to win, a la the big three era, he did. He constantly wins when he's supposed to and wins when he's not supposed to. That's what Spo does. And it's just being highlighted on a grander scale this year because everybody is having to deal with it. And you get to compare Spo's situation to other people's situation. Head and shoulders. Nobody has dealt with this as good as Spo has. And I think he'll finally get his recognition this year in the form of his first Coach of the Year award. And if he doesn't, throw the whole damn award away. Absolutely. He should be the... 
I don't know why I haven't seen much people, many people. You know, Billy Donovan has been getting some love, understandably so. But I think Spo should be the should be the guy to get, get the award. Call me biased, call me a homer, whatever. He should be the front runner for this. And what I meant by the by this season being his magnum opus is the the little things you notice in games. When they suddenly throw out a zone, or when they run these complicated sets and the players they all know what they're supposed to do. That's coaching. When you have guys setting screens and making appropriate cuts at the right time, that's coaching. That's something that not many teams have. And I don't I don't want to name names because I first off I'm not a, I'm not a coach and not, I'm not plugged in or anything. But still, you don't see many you there are many teams out there that just simply do not have the discipline, the tactical knowledge that they do. And I think that's a lot has to do with Spo and the coaching staff that he put together. For reference, for the people out there, Magnum Opus, the definition, a large and important work of art, music, or literature, especially one regarded as the most important work of an artist or writer. Um, the reason that I said you can look at it this way for the general public is because you have a literal case. The literal definition of what it is, this is that, because it that is determined by public's recognition as much as it is by the artist himself. However, you can look at Spo. And just be frank, say that several years are that. One of those big three title years could be that because people failed to give him credit for just how hard it was to coach that team and get that team to do what that team was supposed to do. You could also because look pe- at the- People fail to give him credit because they think it was LeBron, easy. right. I right. Mean, because he had I mean, a well, stream talent. I mean, sure. LeBron is like probably- the greatest player of all time in to, but look at to what some Frank people's Vogel estimations got going on over there now so you can't just I mean, say it's that easy i mean shit ask mike brown ask luke walton ask god how yeah, many what's my, ask what's david my blatt that's what i was about to say what's my man's is back in europe right now david blatt ask him ask all of I, them absolutely so i'm not i don't know lebron i only know lebron's a player but it is apparent that LeBron is not like. It's not easy to coach the guy. Let's just say not, what it is. Yeah, and the fact that Spo was able to do that and be so effective at it, on top of managing two other superstar personalities and talents, and the rest of the roster. Yeah, I think. And then you could also that look be, at the that would be more of his masterpiece in terms of the people aspect of coaching. Well, you can also look at the season where Goran Dragic was the leader and we rang off something like 13 to 15 wins in a row. You remember that? That was 2017, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And though that was a team that wasn't supposed to do much and didn't do much, that spoke at his best, squeezing the fruit until the very last slurp of juice comes out. He always does that. And coming oh so close to making the playoffs after a dreadful start. Don't remind me. Don't remind me. Don't remind me. I mean, whatever. That's in the past. We are in good times, my friend, right now. We are in paradise. So, I'm a true fan, though, JJ. I never get over it. I never get over it. I'm a true fan. But you're right. Focus on the present. Focus on the present. And speaking of the present, let's talk about what happened in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Big time win in Atlanta. 
lemon pepper time. So, 115 to 91, <laughs> the final score. <laughs> <laughs> lemon pepper hawks wings. Yeah. You know, the Heat start off, they didn't score for the first three minutes of game time. And, you know, if you see the final scoreline, you would look, you would, you would call me a liar. But no, that's what happened. I mean, don't be for nice. A, for you, a, you ask what in the hell happened? I mean, for a second there, I thought it was going to be one of those nights where it was just simply, okay, guys, it's the end of the road trip. I know you guys are tired. So maybe you, you guys are just, are just tired or whatever. But no, this is the Miami Heat we were talking about. Absolutely. I mean, just couldn't sink shots. And it was indicative all night long when you look at Kyle Lord, who didn't get his first shot to go um, until late in the game. I want to say late in the third quarter. Um, Kyle Lord, three-pointer. I mean, but mind you, that was the shot that kind put of a theme with 16. Kyle. Well, that was, that's there, been kind of a theme with Kyle all season. So, right, but, but there, you know, we didn't bring I him would in say to the score. In the beginning of the year, yes, I would agree with you. But as time has progressed on, he's found himself oh, no, being lately. able to get to his points. You know what I mean? When we needed him the most. I'm just saying on a night where we find ourselves, you know, beating a Hawks team by what? What was the final tally? I think it was like 20, 21 points maybe. Okay, I'm sorry. 115 to 91. So when you find yourself um, beating a Hawks team by 24 points, right? When you find yourself beating a Hawks team by 24 points and you say Kyle Lowry didn't, you know, get his first bucket until late in the game. And at that point, it was a shot to put you up 16. That's damn good. Also, something that that we should talk about. We already referenced it earlier. But Tyler here, once again, the star of the show. And would have had a triple-double had... I mean, had Big Year not interfere with the rebound there. Because... He's he had a twenty one point nine rebound, eleven assist game, so he was just one rebound away for absolutely what I believe would be seconds. hit. Oh yeah, it was like half a second, and he grabbed the rebound, but the game was already over. So right, exactly what count. I was in on. Yeah, I mean, just a click off of it. It was almost like the buzzer went off as the rebound was in mid air to land in his hands. That's how close it was. But yeah, also Omar. Had his, God, I, I lost count. How many double, how many straight games does he have? Does he have with double digit rebounds? I think it's like eight. Let me go be sure though. Yeah, because it's it's been insane. He has been on a historic pace for a rookie. In terms of rebounding the ball, I'm pretty sure that a guy like Wilt or Elvin Hayes or something has an insane record, but. Counting the modern NBA, I'm pretty sure that Yurt is getting up there in terms of rebounding. Also, six assists, and he had a re- some really cool passes there when they stationed him in the low post. And since he's so tall, he can see over basically everybody. And he's he's got a bit of the touch to get to hit the cutters in on the move. Absolutely, so and that's that's, 12. that's, cool. that's cool to see. And that's 12 games with double-digit rebounds. I'm going to offer something here with Yurt. Now, follow me. I like Yurt better as the passer because I don't trust his finishing. Hmm. Does that make sense to you? Well, here's the way I rationalized it. You say that to say because if he becomes such a threat with his passing... 
teams will start to worry about cutters, and that might make that, his that life will easier to score the ball. His finishing, right? I mean, because right now the finishing isn't the superb. finishing is rough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the finishing he, isn't superb he in traffic. I mean, he misses a lot of bunnies like that, bro. So what am I, so my thing is, but he, but like I said, and this has been my thing with your the whole time, and people will confuse it with me trashing the guy. It's like no. There are simple things that he just doesn't do well enough to be the guy that I depend on when I'm going to win a title. Is he really good? Do I want him on my team for years to come because I think he can be something special? Absolutely. But right now, there are just things that he needs to get better at. But yeah, as the passer, that takes the onus off of him to have to finish. And as you hint it towards JJ, eventually that's going to lead to the coverage being a little softer, which inevitably is going to give him an easier look at the basket when he wants to make his move, which might help the finishing. Also, I want to shout out another guy. We have shouted him out before. PJ Tucker. Tucker. You read my mind. PJ Tucker. Just another insane game that the box score truly does not reflect the impact that he has had with his team. I liked the signing at the time when he when it was announced that he was coming to Miami. I did not expect this level of impact to winning that he that he's providing with that he's providing us. I agree but differently. I knew he would impact winning. I didn't know he could do as much as he can do though. Like he does a ton and that's not even just the defensive or the hustle stuff. Like, P.J. is doing stuff offensively that I literally did not know he had in his game. I mean, of course, the shooting after inexplicable... I mean, it's been... I don't want to call it inexplicable, but it's just been strange. After seeing him last postseason just struggle so much with his shot and the title run with the Bucks, And now he's literally leading the league in three-point percentage. And it's not even just from the corner anymore, yo. It's not even just from the corner, though. Now, most of his yeah. shots do come from the corner, but P.J. can hit the top of the key three off the rotational pass. P.J. can hit the top of the key trail of three. He can even give you a wing three every now and again. But his ability to be able to contribute on offense from anywhere on, his, from anywhere on the floor, be that as a driver, be that as a driver and distributor, be that as an offensive rebounder. Because typically when P.J. gets the offensive rebound, it's him and four opposing players down there, and PJ always wins. It's nuts. Oh yeah, his hustle, his toughness, his strength—all just incredible. Also, it seems like whenever the Heat call one of those hammer plays for him, they almost always get a shot up, which is oh a you know, bucket, a bucket. Yeah, I mean that's like yeah. I think Spo got like coming into each game. Spo probably it's like you know think about a football coach. Like a football coach has a script. Like your first 10, 15, maybe even 20 plays, depending on how deep you go with it, are going to be scripted to kind of, you know, see what the defense is doing that day. But on top of that script, every football coach also has, you know, three, four, five, six, depending on how deep of an offensive mind he is. Sean McVay probably has 10. 10 plays that either in the red zone or on two-point conversions, they'll feel comfortable going to that play. Well, if you translated that to basketball, I think that Spo comes into each game with three or four plays for out of timeouts or after timeouts or need a bucket moments. Um, and I, and you have to say that that particular play is always one of those three because it always works. Always. Yeah. And with the 
league leader in three-point shooting percentage shooting the ball, you feel more comfortable with him taking those shots. So, enough about, well, we'll never get enough. We'll never give P.J. Tucker enough love, but we also got to show love to the other guys. Absolutely. Caleb Martin, once again, once again, had an incredible game. I I got a nickname for if, Caleb if I, too, if, JJ. If, go ahead. I call him Caleb the Menace. And I say that because if you take it back, I, this is what I've been saying about Caleb in that long ball all year long. He's constantly been improving on that long ball, and it's been coming to fruition every game. But there was a particular possession in this game where if you look at him on the near side of the court, he was being guarded by DeAndre Hunter, and he ended up taking a three-pointer, and he missed it. I'll give him that. However, he jab-stepped DeAndre Hunter before he eventually took the three. On the jab step, the threat of Caleb dunking on your whole team right now is so great that DeAndre Hunter almost flew across the court on the jab step. I mean, but that's a part of what that outside shooting has done. It's totally taking the defense off balance so he can pretty much do exactly what he wants to the defender on any possession because he's shown you the ability to convert either at the rim explosively and embarrass you or knock down that long ball. Shout out to Caleb. Also, the growth in season has been awesome to see because I don't think a couple months ago he would have done that type of move with such confidence. No, because the shot, the jumper wasn't as confident. You've seen the progression in the jumper. Um, I mean, even as far as simply taking it, if you just look at his attempts from out there from the time he first got to the Miami Heat to now, you can see the progression in that alone. I totally agree. Yeah. It's been really cool to see. I just hope that we can keep him beyond this season, beyond this season because I'm afraid that somebody's just going to throw the bag at him and we won't be able to keep him because, once again, just an incredible find by this organization. Absolutely. And, and, you I, do, can look at and I do DJ hope he gets paid. Oh, yeah, he's going to – I agree. You can look at the DJJ deal as like a baseline, whereas DJJ got, I think, between seven and nine mil a year. I don't think Caleb will get quite that much. I think he'll get somewhere between four and seven per over the next two or three, and I think we should give him that. Easy. Because, again, we got Max Struess on a steal right now. Yeah. And Max Struess is also massively outplaying his contract right now. So, yeah, it's a good problem to have. But there's that, a reason we call say. Pat Riley the Godfather, right? Well, he'll make he'll make you an offer you can't refuse. So I mean, you know I'll, what I I'll mean. That. that there you go. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the other guys. Kyle Lowry impactful game does not reflect too much on the on the box score. Did not play much in the fourth quarter. The Heat were ahead by I uh, I don't know what adjective you used. They were all by a lot. That's let's keep it simple. They scored all they scored over 25 points in every quarter except the first one, which again they started off really slow. And then in if you didn't watch the game, I don't think you can understand how slow the game was going for them in terms of shot making. Nothing was falling. Everybody like it was I was bracing myself for like, oh man, here we go again. We're gonna have a tough night. But fortunately, my team proved me wrong. And Tyler Hero, you got a sh- big shout out to that guy because once he's hit. The oh yeah, floor, I was, I was, I was saving the best for last. 
Oh, okay. I was just saying, once he hit the floor, everything opened up. Not to go too far back, man, but I want to highlight it. Max Struess's deal, his current deal is two years, $3.4 million. This season, he's making $1.6 million, and next season, he's making less than $2 million at $1.8 million. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Appreciate it. I mean, he, I hope he gets the bag, too. I mean, oh, I hope everybody gets get the bag. Oh, yeah, they're going to get it. It's just that, you know, for us to – you know, um, manipulate ourselves into this particular roster formation and to be able to keep the guys we had, somebody had to give them the platform to be able to show that they deserve the bag. So this is what these years are. These are years where they're paying us off for taking a chance on them. And after these years are done, they're going to get the bag. And when it comes to Max and Caleb, you know, that's my boy, Big Max, Click Clacks. And Caleb the Menace, I hope we pay them both. But I'm also not upset at the moment that we're able to get them at extreme values because that allows us to keep a guy like Depot in the foe. Hopefully beyond this year, he's healthy. That allows us to bring in a Cal Laurie at three years, $90 million. That allows us to do all of that while we're paying Bam his max. That allows us to do all of that while we're paying Jimmy Butler his max. And by the way, there's this guy out there on Laker Twitter trying to poo-poo on Jimmy Butler's contract. Uh, he obviously hasn't looked at his payroll and the fact that Jimmy He's Butler has been a, right and the fact that Jimmy Butler has been a top ten player in the freaking league ever since he came to Miami. Does he not remember who the guy was that went toe to toe with the guy that I consider to be the goat that plays for his favorite team in the bubble? Hello, that was Jimmy Effin Butler, and the F stands for fucking. Yeah, I think I digress. Yeah, I mean, that Laker guy, we shouldn't pay much attention to him. He's probably in security. He's probably got some issues at I home. I know, man. So I just whatever. had to say it because we were talking about money and salary. And, you know, you, you just always want to nudge the guys. Let them know you see him. We're not going to give him too much shine. But we see you with your flagrant ass. Yeah. Go and, you know, take care of things at home because probably you got some other issues to work out because right now you're showing a lot of insecurity, <laughs> JJ, man. wait a minute. JJ, you just attacked the man as a person. I was coming at his basketball knowledge, but you just attacked this person. His livelihood. Jesus, JJ, are you feeling froggy tonight? Uh, My brain is fried right now, so. Oh, so, so that's what it is. Yeah. You just give no fucks. I got you. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, let's wrap up the rap the 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 Hawks game before we move on to a preview and our thoughts on the midseason point. Uh, any final thoughts on the Hawks game? I mean, to be let's quite let's, frank- let's let's talk about the Hawks some for a minute there. I mean, go ahead and then we'll talk a bit about the Hawks very quickly. Well, talk about the Hawks because I was going to wrap up our post game and our preview with one fell swoop, and we could actually just move on to Philly. So, give me your thoughts about the Hawks. Uh, okay. Defensively, I mean, there were a lot of times, you know, I always cheer for my team when they get easy buckets or whatever, but I was like, man, they're, they're, I mean, shit, in the fourth quarter, like that yurt backbreaking, like Eric Reed called it a backbreaking bucket, they did not do anything to block him out. He was just there and he basically tapped the ball in and nobody, and nobody was there. There were... I don't know what's going on there. If you look at that last P.J. Tucker three, bro, I tweeted it out when it happened. 
Um, and this was early in the third quarter. So I won't say that last P.J. Tucker three, but it was an early P.J. Tucker three that caused the Hawks to take a timeout. Um, literally nobody rotated. Nobody rotated. I tweeted it out. It's literally like they didn't even want to be in the gym no more. That's how it looked. Um, Solomon Hill, the GOAT, the man, the myth, the legend, Miami Heat, all-timer, Solo Hill, um, who now plays for the Hawks. So he was the ops tonight. He actually tweeted it out at the end of the first period. Wow, and we didn't give up 30 in the first quarter? Well, unfortunately for Solo, who's our guy, um, he had to watch the rest of the game because they had a good first quarter defensively as we struggled, you know, as we mentioned. But as you alluded to, JJ, after that first period, it's like, you know, that meme on Twitter or the gif on Twitter where the guy throws up the peace sign and just proceeds to disappear? <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that's that, been the Hawks' defense all season that was long. The Hawks, so. Right. That was the Hawks' defense after the first period tonight, man. So, I mean, but again, this is their eighth. Um, well, no, this would make nine, I believe. Nine their, consecutive home losses. Right. This is their ninth home losses, which includes a loss to guess who? Our in-state brothers and rivals. You don't get much worse than that, JJ. You lose at home hmm. to the Orlando Magic. You're some cut. Yeah, I think there, there's been some frustration brewing, particularly from John Collins. He's been talking a bit to the press lately about his frustrations. His with role with the offense and all of that. But there's also a report, if you look at it, that says John Collins alone isn't enough to move the needle for Ben Simmons deal because you've also heard that Atlanta has I mean, kind God, of been. God damn, know, we we have to talk we have to talk I'm about saying, that guy just, again. You, you you brought up John Collins, so I'm just saying those same rumblings of him being unhappy coincide with the reports that, you know, he isn't enough for Philly because Philly not to go too deep there. But I guess, you know, it all comes together because we're eventually going to preview Philly. So we're not going too far off the charts tonight. Um, Philly mean, also seems to hell, want to package. Who, go ahead. Who the hell knows what Daryl Morey wants? Absolutely. We do know this, though. The reports are that he wants to package Tobias Harris in whatever deal it is that he trades Ben Simmons away to get off of that salary as well. So, and I can that's a lot of that's a lot that. of outgoing salary. Oh hell that's, yeah, that's a then, lot of money. That's a that's about years. about I want to say eighty million dollars in salary outgoing. Eighty million, eighty million. Ooh, I don't know. That's that's quite a lot of money, honestly. And you know, per CBA rules, you gotta take at least seventy-five percent. At least ugh, I forgot the number, but yeah, you gotta take around that same number back. So I don't know right. what trade partner well, out there wants to. It doesn't have pony to be up. dollar for dollar, but you're right; it has to be close to that number. So you're looking at at least bringing back sixty-five, seventy million. I mean, shit. Trade. Trade for John Wall and Russell Westbrook and brace chaos. I mean, wait a minute. What the hell? I don't think Mari <laughs> is gonna I don't think Mari is gonna resaddle himself with John Wall and or Russell Westbrook. I think he would pass out, honestly, if that happens. Absolutely. If that happens. Because didn't he trade for both of those guys before in Houston? Uh, or was he gone before oh yeah, the well, wall deal? I don't know if he was gone before the wall deal. Right, because he's he traded for as, both as, of those he dipped guys as soon, before. He dipped as soon as he saw the, the thing that shit was about to hit the fan. I don't blame him, honestly. But 
conniption yeah. before he do all that again. Yeah. Anyway, look, I mean, fantastical trade scenarios aside. Yeah. Fantastic uh, trade scenarios. <laughs> I like the what you did there, bro. Um, yeah. As I was mentioning, to close out on the Hawks and also kind of give a small preview because we don't have to talk about it anymore. You're going to see why. Um, we were the better team on the floor tonight. All of their defensive deficiencies that have been well documented were on display. And I mean, after that first period, the Miami Heat dominated them. And it was on set by Tyler Harrow's appearance on the court. Um, and I think that'll be the same thing that happens Friday when we welcome them into the FTX arena because we're clearly the better team. If you did want to talk about one thing before we move on to Philly and then get on to, you know, where we are at midseason as a squad, the Miami Heat, I would offer this. Duncan Robinson came off the bench again tonight. Max Struess started. However, Duncan Robinson nearly doubled Max Struess up when it came to playing time. Duncan Robinson played 30-plus minutes, 31 to be exact, I want to say, whereas Max Struess played 15 minutes. That's the answer to the question right there. Hmm. You know what? Yeah, we we said we were going to get into it. Let's get into it right now. I think... Okay, Duncan has been looking really good against other against the opposing team's second units. With him alongside Tyler, that I think enhances both of them. Because Tyler Hero, we all know, he's a ball-handling scorer. Score. Duncan Robinson barely needs the ball in his hands. And with Duncan Robinson's gravity, as it has been mentioned multiple times, that enables Tyler to exploit more one-on-one matchups. Now, with the max in the max truth thing, there's some okay. This is a an overall thing, and I don't want to call it worry. I just want to call it hmm, an observation. I would like to see how this what this team takes away from this stretch with the absences and applies when and applies it when we all get when everybody's healthy like i want to see what things they take from this stretch and apply to to those to those guys and Absolutely. full disclosure i might not be surprised if hopefully we don't and i don't want to put it out there but i wouldn't be surprised if we drop a stupid game or two because they're figuring out how to play after being such being after being away for such a long time i agree because you got to look at it the fact that we launched so many threes without jimmy and bam um that's, that's our not game gonna plan. happen with them right that's our game plan when they aren't on the floor i do think we have to meet in the middle somewhere perhaps we don't take 44 attempts but we can't drop all the way back down we have to figure out a way to remain a decently volume shooting team even when they're on the floor now to that point I kind of disagree with you a little bit where you said Duncan has shot the lights out against reserves. You're looking at a guy who's played 29 and 31 minutes in the last two games. Yeah, he started against reserves, but when you're playing that much, you're playing just as much against the regular starters as you are the reserves. Can we agree? Yeah, I mean, you're right. So, yeah, you're right. So let me rephrase. He starts against the reserves. I don't know if it's a mental thing that he just gets it going against them. I I definitely think it's a clear head thing, bro, because what we haven't been able to dictate yet, and I actually hinted towards this point, and I'm going to 
I'm going to tell you why I feel like I want him as the starter secondly, but let me get this out. And then we'll, I know we'll move on to Philly and our midseason predictions because we want to wrap it up. We thought this was going to be a 25, 30 minute, guys. And here we are going on minute 40. We promise you, we won't be that much longer. Bear with us. Um, when you look at Duncan Robinson and the way that he shot the ball now, it's hard to determine whether that's a off-the-bench thing or a clear mind thing after having some time to himself to kind of think about it all. Because we call for maybe sitting him down for a game or two before he went down for this very reason. So I think that you still have to do a little bit more tinkering, or if you even care to nail it down, you have to do a little bit more experimenting. But when he's playing a starter's dose of minutes, it doesn't matter where he comes from, off the bench or in the first unit, as long as he's getting the starter's dose of minutes. That's what matters to me. Now, go ahead. I think, what, I think what also, yeah, I think what also matters to me is who he's playing alongside. Well, see, that's, that's my next point. That's my next point. See, I disagree with you in that when you're talking about a guy like Tyler Hero on that second unit, it's easy to double-team him or throw all the defense at him because he's the main guy there. Well, when you have a guy like Duncan Robinson playing beside him, yeah, again, as I mentioned, you always have to have multiple sets of eyes on Duncan Robinson. You realistically only need one guy there because he isn't going to do anything besides spark the long ball as far as something that can absolutely kill you. Well, if you have a Max Struess along with a Gabe Vincent, along with a Caleb Martin, on that second unit, all guys who not only threats to knock down the long ball, but threats to put the ball on the floor and make something happen off of the dribble, that frees up Tyler Hero more. So that's why I feel like in a lineup that consists of Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, two guys that don't shoot the long ball with frequency, a guy like Duncan Robinson who tilts the floor by himself is more imperative there because what he does won't clash with them. Whereas what Max does not only won't clash with the second unit, but will allow your main guy, your second unit star, your sixth man, an all-star in our book, Tyler Hero, to be his best self. And that's my thinking. If you just have a stationary Duncan beside him, you give the defense a bigger opportunity to be able to throw more bodies at Tyler Hero. Whereas with Max Struess, you can't take that body off Max Struess because then it's Big Max click clacks or dunking on your head do you feel what i'm saying i feel what you're saying so listen duncan robinson is never stationary <laughs> i think we should get that out of the way so absolutely no i agree with you there i i do because he's a reggie miller steph curry type he's gonna run the hell out you but you get what i mean when i say stationary like you're not worried about him pump faking you going to the lane finger rolling you like ice man or dunking on you like caleb it's like, yeah, he might run three miles, but after on 3.2, he's going to take that jumper. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Anyway, we have been, it's been so long since we saw, I mean, shit, we haven't seen everybody healthy because Vic hasn't played. But Marquise the guys who started the season. Since we, November 8th. You got to include that too. And that's another thing. We're not going to go too far out there, but I'm going to say this. Look at it like a Mo Harkless situation. Does Markeith ever come back? I've been thinking about that because he said that we will be we will be hearing some stuff soon. 
Absolutely. And then yeah. Ivor Winderman from the South Florida Sun Sentinel had also, that. Also, isn't he in protocols? He is. But that's what I was about to hit on. Ira had that report yesterday quoting Spo, where Spo said perhaps there is a bit of confusion about how close Mark Keith was to returning before he went into protocols, which makes me think that that situation might even be a little bit more murkier than that. Hmm. I guess that sets up some sets off some alarm bells when Spo says that. Absolutely, you okay. definitely get your antenna up because they're purposeful, they're intentful. They don't just say things for nothing. I agree. So yeah, hopefully Marquise okay, and hopefully Jimmy returns soon, and Bam as well because Bam is already doing on court work. And boy, am I excited to see my favorite player back! I was about to say Bam's his favorite player, guys. Bam's his favorite player. Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> We already talked about the Hawks at, at Nauseam. So let's move on to Philly. On Saturday, Absolutely. they come into our house. They've Joel been on tear as of late. Joel Embiid's a freak, man. He's a beast when he's right. Yeah, they. he's been on... He and the team as a whole have been on a tear as of late. And it's just... Haven't they... I think they've won like five straight at this point. So, yeah. Well, they lost tonight. So there's the streak was, was snapped by the Charlotte Hornets. So... I guess they're not a, they're not too hot coming into Miami, but still, uh, an opponent that you must respect. But they will be they will be also coming off the second night of a back to back. Interestingly enough, they played the Celtics the previous night and then come to Miami to face the Heat. So, not exactly an easy back to back there for the Philadelphia 76ers. They could very well drop both games. Although the seven the Celtics are. Hashtag not great, but... They're going to make you work. I think that their back-to-back is a bit tougher than ours, so they'll still be, you know, really good and worked by the time they get to us. Yeah, and I mean, we have a back-to-back at home. They have a back-to-back in Philly. Like, they start in Philly, and then they need to travel to Miami and play the Heat. So, I don't know. I mean, these are the some of the best athletes in the world, so they're extremely well-conditioned. But yeah, that... That affects you. By the way, the nine, eight of the n- next nine games for the Heat are going to be at FDX Arena. So just, just spit it out, JJ. <laughs> I got confused. There. I was going to say nine, but then eight, and eight of the next nine games are going to be in FDX Arena. So hell yeah. I mean, after let's look having at this such for a, a second, though, man. Um, you mentioned the team. Joel's last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games prior to the Charlotte game. He went 32, 41, 23, 36, 36, 34, and four games of 31 points. I'm just saying, the man's a handful. No, oh, no, the the man, the man is on on a tear right now. He is killing folks out there. Like we said, if you could count on him to be healthy. For 76 of 82 games, he's a top five player, maybe higher than that, hands down. Yeah, but unfortunately, that's not the case for him. So, Kenneth, it's time to talk about the midseason thoughts. 41 games in of an 82-game season, the Miami Heat currently stand at 26-15, and 15, the third best record in the Eastern Conference with a chance to leapfrog the Brooklyn Nets tonight. If they fall to the Bulls, and to make to make good news great, they're only two and a half games back from the first seed. 
And this is with Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and, you know, a handful of guys missing time in between that. So, what do you say about that, my friend? I think we have been hella good this season. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're going to the finals, bro. Um, I, I don't see it any other way. Yeah. I, I'll say it. I'll say I, it. I, I, going, I guess I, we're going to the finals. There is no team in the league that scares me. There's no team in the East that makes me think we can't beat them. It's still basketball, and you still have to go out there and execute and play. So, you know, if there are teams that are just having better nights than us, then, you know, if they win the game, that's one thing. But this, there isn't a situation where I feel like we are the out-and-out underdog in any series because we've been that good with our depth. As I mentioned, coming into the season, and you'll, you can back me up because I told you, um, our depth was going to be a weapon. Our reserves have proven to be just that. And we haven't even gotten – and I wrote this recently at All You Can Heat where you can check me out every day for your – content and written Miami Heat needs do you think JJ yeah check him out yo and check me out there soon too you got ahead of the gun JJ we were gonna let the people know on your first piece come on JJ but in any event yeah man they have another gear that they can get to because we haven't seen everybody intact we haven't seen our complete treasure trove of depth also going and working at a high level gauntlet. right working at a high level with our full you know our full tilt of starters mind you your favorite player has been out a month and some change jimmy butler has sporadically been in and out of the lineup with different injuries all year i mean we haven't had the chance to see this how output bench with our regular starters so i feel like once that happens it gives us not only the opportunity to take it up another notch because they do have that other gear that they can get to, but it sets us up perfectly to do what they say in sports is most importantly around winning time, championship time, the playoffs. It's going to allow us to peak at the right time organically. And I think that's yeah. important. The only thing that I believe healthy this scene can win the whole thing. But that's always but the thing the with us, healthy. Healthy. That's always the thing with us. Health. But yeah, more so this season, especially our best player. It would. I hate saying it, but yeah, that's the only thing that gives me pause there. And I hope well, I'm wrong. I hope to God I mean, I'm wrong because because if he if everybody's healthy, then I don't see. I'll take my guys every single over, time over any team, and I agree with you. It's Jimmy, and we have seen them banged up quite a bit, but I'll offer you this. Had the situation been different, if we don't have a Tyler Hero, if we don't have a Kyle Lloyd, if we don't have an Omer Yurtsevin playing way above his head for these last 10, 12, 14, how many ever games it is, as he's been getting regular minutes, I fully believe that Jimmy could have probably come back a game or so ago. But I believe we have the luxury now of being able to let him get a couple of more games. So I think that coming down the stretch, you'll see situations where Jimmy's able to manage to help a little better. But yeah, as mentioned, with us, man, it's never about fight. It's never about want to. It's never about talent. Because even when we aren't as talented, we're going to outwork you so we have a shot. It's always about health, as it was two years ago in the finals where we didn't have Goran. 
where we didn't have a healthy Bam and where Jimmy simply had to do everything. Yeah. So, what I'm most excited about for the second half of the season is how the defense looks when Victor Oladipo returns and how the rotation just becomes a embarrassment of riches for us. I think you that was that's mine's right there. I mean, you encapsulated everything you said with that last one because I could have specifically went depot. I could have specifically went the emergence of that weaponized second unit with the first unit. But that's just it, man. I'm gonna take a total bird's eye perspective on a lot of things we've talked about. That's the thing I'm most looking forward to in the second half of the season. Just how the great and almighty Spo is able to tinker and use this rotation to not only help us get to where we want to be, but figure out some more things that can help us go further nuclear or give us a bigger jolt when we need it. Because at this point, he knows what he has and he knows what they can do. It's going to be about figuring and tinkering and optimizing and maximizing for Spoke. And that's what I'm most interested to see. Only thing that worries me about that is that I don't think he'll have as much fun as he's having right now. Because we all know that when this is the type of team that Spo just has a shit ton of fun just throwing out throwing out a random zone in there and Oh Spo loves the challenge, bro. He yearns to figure that shit out. That you know, I mean, for lack of better terms, that gets Spo off having to figure it out, like you said. Yeah. But yeah, all jokes aside, I suppose an incredible coach and when everybody's healthy and he has all the talent to work with, I, I think he'll do something special, at least with the defense. Absolutely. I agree, man. Um, and like I said, like closing out here, we have to keep an eye on how they merge the shooting with the mid-range and ISO and ball and man movement play of Jimmy and Butler because we have to find a middle ground. And I would say my final thought of the night again is if Coach Spo isn't your leader for the coach of the year in the NBA, throw the whole damn award away. Amen. So with that being said, thank you for listening to this episode of 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. I forgot and to mention that please live a please leave a five-star review and a short a, a short review and a five-star rating because that will really, really, really help us. Honestly. And where can they find I, you, JJ? They can find me on Twitter at JJ Rivera NBA. That's at JJ V is in Victor E-R-A NBA. And on Instagram, you can find me at J Rivera 98. That's J-A-I-R-O-R-I V is in Victor once again E-R-A 98. Where can they find you, my friend? They can find me on Twitter at K said K. That's K underscore S A I D underscore Q U E. Again, K said K on Twitter and on Instagram. You can find me at I am K Cyrus. That's I A M K C I R R U S. Again, I am K Cyrus on Instagram. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you. Until next time, we'll be back after the Sixers game on Saturday, by the way. Absolutely. Yeah, we will be back to you. You'll probably be listening to the next episode on either on sunday or on monday but yeah we'll be back in your podcast feed so stay stay tuned see you next episode bye bye